Hello everybody and welcome to Gaza Guy podcast with me, Mao Musa from Gaza. Today my guest is Maram Jafar, Palestinian-American writer. She is currently working as a director at a healthcare facility in Philadelphia. Uh, she's also passionate about writing and film photography. Re- recently, Maram Jafar posted in an interview about her experience of being othered as a Palestinian and when she was third grade she was othered by her teacher when she said that she was Palestinian and she described what is it like to be born as a political statement. Please welcome Maram Jafar to Gaza Guy podcast from Gaza to the world. Um, so the post says as a Palestinian I feel like I was born a political statement. The first time I felt othered was in third grade. In class we each had to go to a world map and point out the country we're from. I looked for Palestine on the map and it wasn't there. I remember the teacher asked where I was from and I said Palestine. She told me Palestine is not a country and to choose a different country. I had a crisis that day because I knew Palestine existed because I'm Palestinian and I exist. Amazing. Okay, <laughs> let me uh, start with a small intro about you that you sent to me and then you will introduce yourself to the listeners of Kazakai podcast. I'll let you know about myself. My name is Mao Musa. I am the founder of Kazakai Society. It's an initiative for the young and aspiring poets and writers in Gaza. Kazakai Society is a community first spoken word community in Gaza. We hold uh, open mic events, create digital content for the poets in Gaza, and all the work we do by ourselves. And Mm -hmm. uh, we have been doing this for two years, or this year will be uh, two years and a half. I'm also a journalist and the host of the the Gaza Guy podcast. If we would like to ask Maram, how would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, um, so thank you for having me on. Um, I would just like to say that, um, you know, I, I really don't, um, define myself in with too many labels, but I, I do um, hold on to my Palestinian heritage. Uh, it's very important to me. Um, so that's probably my number one uh, thing that I cling to and my status as a Muslim woman in the world. Um, and that's about it. I mean, I, I'm a writer. Uh, I do write a lot of things for myself, mostly just um, poetry, things like that. And I... Uh, I'm an attorney also, um, but I <laughs> stopped practicing law. Yeah. I've been a, uh, a lawyer for 10, 11, 12 years. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. but um, I stopped practicing law about a year and a half ago. Um, Why? So I, I hate it. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So now, now I, yeah, I work in healthcare now. Um, a friend of mine owns a residential care company. Um, and what we do is we help people with intellectual disabilities um, kind of integrate into into the community and just live their best life. So we, we help them figure out what their strong suits are, what their goals are in life, and we kind of help them um, get to those goals. You know, the purpose of the interview was uh, the last post that you have posted. And when I read that post, it was so beautiful. I, I didn't post it on my page. I had done an interview um, for a site called Nasib Diaries. Yeah. And what it is is it's um yeah it's an Instagram post. Um, okay. I was saying you Palestinian American. Yeah. Uh, born in Palestine or born in the U.S. So, uh yeah, I was born here in the U.S. Both my parents were born in Amman. Mm-hmm. Um, and their parents were born in Palestine, in Palestine. 
So. Which city? My grandparents were born in, um, it's a small town called El Jora. El Jora, I, I think I've heard a village, I think. Um, and so my parents were, you know, after 1948, our family kind of split up. Some of them went to Bethlehem. Um, some of them went to Amman. Um, both my parents, uh, their parents were in Amman. Um, and they eventually came here to the U.S. Um, like in the 70s. And so they, they had my sisters and I here. How was your reaction when, when you heard that answer from your teacher? I was mostly confused and, um, and upset because that was the first time someone told me that um, everything I believed in wasn't real. And, um, and I didn't really have the emotional or mental capacity at eight years old to process it and deal with it. So I, I just got upset. Um, and the teacher told me that um, I should just tell people I was from Jordan. And I, I did push back a little. Uh, I remember telling her, I, but I'm not from Jordan. And, um, and she just kind of, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember exactly what happened after that but I do remember going home and um, really like asking my parents about it and that stayed with me it stayed with me for a long time and I, I wish I could say that was the only time something like that happened but it was just the first time the first time how many times yeah. did this happen to you <laughs> I don't know a lot I mean it still happens you know that's what you are guys are uh, struggling with out there the Palestinians in the diaspora now, you deal with the ignorance about the Palestinian cause uh, not once or twice in a year or every day. Every day you deal with the ignorance. You Palestinians, so does Palestine exist? <laughs> like how many times <laughs> you get asked those kind of questions out there and you yeah. need to explain more and more to this and that? So um, I, I think I get a mixture of two reactions. One is uh, I get a reaction from people who uh, you know are either misinformed or um, ignorant to the situation and I get a reaction of, of anger from them where um, they they genuinely feel attacked by my existence um, and then I get another reaction from people who never heard of Palestine they don't know what it is they never heard of Palestine, they never heard of Israel, they never heard of any of it. So when I say I'm Palestinian or I'm from Palestine, they either are just confused and they say, what is that? Or, um, you know, they, they think they heard wrong. They, they think I said Pakistan. Pakistan. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite uh, of those reactions was um, when I was in high school, this, uh, I used to work at a smoothie place um, and uh, this guy came into the smoothie place and um, he was trying to flirt with me and so he's like oh you're beautiful where are you from and I, I said I'm Palestinian he said wow you're royalty and I, I didn't know what he meant I, I just kind of was like uh, uh no and he said he said really you're palace Indian I said what is that and he thought I meant like Indian royalty I really like the line that you said uh, oh this line was really strong line you said as a palestinian i feel like i was born a political statement like yeah. if you can tell me more about this line explain more um so here what is it like um, to be born as a political statement 
Uh, now that I'm old enough and mature enough to handle it, it's pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> Growing up, it was the worst. It was the worst. So living in as a diaspora Palestinian, um, you know, we hear a lot of different things. I, I know one thing that I heard often was um, that Palestinians are considered a demographic issue or a demographic threat, you know? Um, so we, living in the diaspora, I feel like we face a lot of uh, challenges in terms of, of pushback to our identity and attempts at erasure. Um, here in the U.S., you know, we have the census every year um, and we, you know, we have to fill out forms all the time. So we never have a box for Arab or Middle Eastern or anything. They, we just either check off white or other. So um, I think that wherever we go, there's this attempt to um, erase our general existence or this, um, this feeling or this, it's like a feeling that's given to us, you know, this narrative that's pre-written for us by other people. So we don't get any say right in in this narrative. So it's like, well, you, you know, for me, I had never been to Palestine until my early 30s. Um, so up until that point, a lot of pushback that I would get from strangers was, well, you've never even been there. You know, how, what makes you Palestinian? And it was hard to explain to people like it to me. It's not it's not a a physical connection to a land it's it's something deeper than that because when i actually went there and when i was there i went by myself um and i met you know family for the first time where did some, you go most of them, to, him, to ramallah to like some villages in that area what was the experience incredible um it was very life-changing uh it it made me rethink a lot of things about myself um, so I can understand Arabic. Uh, I have a really, really heavy American accent. It's kind of funny. Um, and I don't have like a really good grasp on the language. So um, I can have a very basic conversation if you use very simple words. But as soon as people start using more intellectual words, I, I get lost. Um, so in English for me, uh, I rely on my humor a lot and I didn't realize that. So I'm, I'm actually like a really funny person. I make a lot of jokes and that's how I relate to people. So when I went back home, I didn't have that. I don't have the command of the language to make funny jokes. Um, and my humor was lost and I have all these different ways of looking at things, different ideas in life and everyone else, um, you know, not that they have the same way as each other, but that they, um, they didn't see things the way I did because we didn't have any shared experiences. So I was forced for the whole time I was there, which was almost two months, I was forced to have these conversations where I was vulnerable in every conversation with people I had just met and talk about really deep issues. I mean, even if it was the simplest thing, but but for the most part, it was they wanted to know about me and my life, which is understandable. And I wanted to know about them and their lives. Having that conversation with such a limited grasp on language uh, was really difficult and very humbling. And nobody made fun of me. And that was the thing that that shocked me was if that was me, I would have just made fun of me the whole time. I would have cracked up. And I mean, I'm sure they made fun of me when I left the room. But um, being in the room, I, I 
I give them so many props for not cracking up every time. I made so many mistakes with simple words. I like, feel like you've spent um, like around two weeks with them. You, you will be hilarious with them. But it's all about the culture, you know? It's all about the culture. Yeah. Humor yeah. comes from the culture, uh, from uh, the place you came from, from the place you live in your life, the people you uh, are with. So if you were living with the Palestinians, I think you will be hilarious too. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think so. I mean, they so they were really funny i mean i they were making each other laugh a lot and um some of them i, yeah, I well, picked up funny. Some of their, yeah i picked up on some of their jokes um, they make fun of their veins you know yeah yeah and i think that's a, a genetic thing that that runs through all palestinians because that's how i deal with my life um when things go terribly wrong i i, I make a joke out of it and that's just kind of how i deal with it i think that's that's a way that we can cope with things especially when you have like more of a more uh, i think when you're intellectually and emotionally capable of accepting that not everything is in your control maybe it's easier to laugh at it than to cry at it exactly thank you maron for joining me today